today's episode. How many guests are you expecting? Because it was the day that Robespierre was I didn't even know the Reign of Terror was a term I should have heard of oh, really? outside of Doctor Who. Gosh. Yeah, because if anyone said Reign of Terror to me, I'd go, oh yeah, Doctor Who, William Hartnell. <laughs> Obviously you all know my knowledge of Doctor Who's events. <laughs> That face. What face? That face. That's just my face. That just looks like you're trying to look like it's a really big lie, but it could be just that it's a really big lie. And I've just not learned over the ages whether or not. Over 40 long years. I know. Nearly 40 years. It's just the double bluff that. You Keeps just, on bluffing. You look, you look guilty no matter what. As for Susan, running around the TARDIS console room like she's 12 years old, skittering around on those, in those stupid slip-on shoes, I'm not having it. Not happy. Honestly, Big Finish are never inviting you to do anything ever. I love Big I Finish. I thought they were really good. Yeah, I like Big Finish as well. <laughs> I, mean, I like them more than you like them. <laughs> She even said to Ian, check your history books. Oh. But, um, I mean, she should you have... You can't. Che- Susan never put it back to the library, she? she? never returned she it. it. But I wonder whether that was a book that they all had at Coal Hill School, and it was Barbara's history class, in which case she should have known a lot more about the French Revolution than she did. <laughs> she could have worked out stuff. She knew it all. She was just a little Not bit... convinced. She was just obsessed with the old Leon. She yeah. couldn't think straight. <laughs> Hello and welcome to World Enough and Time. I'm Andy. And I'm Alex. Now then, describe to the listeners our current location. Well, it's dreary, I can tell you that. (laughs) Misery to the extreme. No, we are on a beautiful beach with aqua sea (laughs) (laughs) and glorious blue skies. No, it really is. I'm not lying. It's really lovely. To Papakanga. Correct. You went a bit aggressive on the G, but I'll forgive you. <laughs> to Papakanga. In, uh, yeah, just off the Hanua Ranges, in the Auckland region, but a lesser known area of Auckland. Very beautiful. Yeah. So we're here to have, have a holiday mm-hmm. and just relax. I'm over for a, a, a week. A whole week. A whole week. Having worked hard. I don't think I've said in the podcast before that I do go to other countries in order to work, not just to faff about and to record podcasts. It's true. So I was in Tasmania last week, and now it's completely free, free time. Yep. yep. So we've got a plan to watch about 12 Doctor Whos. At least 12. So we've got the whole of next year covered with yeah. podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got a fridge full of wine and about eight board games. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are children coming tomorrow <laughs> rude they're mine <laughs> no i jest ish <laughs> so um last night we we watched the story that we'll be reviewing later but before we get to that it is time for a quiz quiz it's quiz so this time I must admit, I'm kind of struggling to see this. (laughs) (laughs) It's been really enjoyable to see how old you've gone over the last few months. Rude. Um, 
I just actually realised that if I lifted my sunglasses off weirdly, it's easier to see the screen. <laughs> but that, that did really well for getting the listeners to believe that we're somewhere really sunny. I know, exactly. Good job, good job. I can feel the sand in my feet, sand in my feet. <laughs> okay, so we've got a little game for you called Companions, True or False. Right, I am going to absolutely nail this. Yeah. Nail it. Okay, oh, before we get going. What? What's the definition of a companion? <laughs> oh, I'm glad no! you asked. So in the new series, they're obsessed with calling them friends. Oh. oh yeah, which annoys me. Oh. It's the official thing, they're friends. Okay. It's like, no, I'm always going to call them companions, sorry. Yes, I used to get very irritated back in the day if anyone dared call anyone an assistant. Isn't the word companion quite a nice... I mean, that's not as, de- as like, kind of rude or... It doesn't... It doesn't deride them in any way. I like it. It them seem quite equal. In fact, I was on a beach, another lovely beach just yesterday, and my mate Elton, oh, yeah. he Facebook messaged me to say, can I be your companion? Just for the beach. Oh, but it was nice that it was a companion. It's a nice it's thing. It's a nice yes. thing, yes. I like it. So, on that bombshell, yeah. we're sticking with companions for good, companions, good. true or false. Good. But I don't know. I think you'll f- consider them all to be official companions right possibly okay right so they're all kind of production behind the scenesy sort of things oh god so i don't know whether you'll find that hard or not stop it rude face okay question number one true or false before the production team made their final decision one of the possible names for new companion vicky in 1965 was suki Absolutely 100% true. You're saying true? Yeah. No, it's false. Ah, I considered calling one of my kids Suki. Did you really? I thought it was possible. Answers that were correct were Tanny and Lucky. Tanny and Lucky? Yeah. Why? Suki would have worked really well. They just weren't thinking. It would be a good name, wouldn't it? Barbara, Ian and Suki. (laughs) Right. (coughs) Question two. It was originally intended that Zoe, played by Glorious Wen's pads, <laughs> would bridge the gap between the Doctors and continue into the John Pertwee era. True or false? Oh, I just don't trust anything <coughs> you say anymore. It's very tricky. Well, I think it was an open question. Um, <laughs> true. It is true. Yes! But then she decided she'd leave with Pat and Fraser. She's like, no, you're leaving. I'm going to leave as well. Oh, cute. Yeah. It would have been nice to see her in colour, though, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, but that, it would. That, would that have... hair would have looked even less, more lustrous. Oh, no. and the glitter, the joy. And the red feather boa. Yes. We'd, been, we'd have been tuning in for that in 1970 yeah, really had would. we been alive. But instead, of course, we get Liz Shaw, so we can't True. complain. True. We can't complain. Right. Question three. In the original draft of The Five Doctors, it was Victoria, rather than the Brigadier, who accompanied the second Doctor to the Dark Tower. True or False. Falsingtons. Falsingtons. I'm afraid it was true. No! Mind you, Deborah Watling would have done anything, wouldn't she? Rude. Trude. <laughs> Trude. Trude and Mustu. <laughs> Does anyone remember Trude and Mustu from Vets in Practice? I do. Oh, I'm glad you do. Right. Probably no one else listening. That's fine. So, yeah, I think, so the Brigadier was meant to go with John Pertwee. And Sarah was originally with Tom Baker, who was originally in it. Oh. Yeah. And then he had a hissy fit, did he, or what? Well, he decided not to do it because he thought it was too close to when he'd left. 
And it was only two years, so I can't don't blame him. Still. But originally, Tom Baker had you. he had the lion's share of the plot, which I don't think would have been right. Right. They gave okay. it to Davison, and I think that was it. That yeah, was the that right was thing fair. to do. Yeah. Right, question four. So you've got only one of them right so Shut far. Up. We're on the same sort of tradition. Shut up. At one point, it was originally intended that Harry Sullivan would be the very first chronological victim of the Daleks in Genesis of the Daleks. True or false? Uh, I hate you. You've got a 50% chance of getting it right. I know. That's how that's how true or false works. Yeah. Um, False. Correct. Never intended. God. Question five. Not long before recording, the makeup idea for Leela was that Louise Jameson would black up for the role. (gasps) True. True or false? No. Um. Don't. Don't look at me like that. Very disconcerting. I am raising my eyebrows and wiggling them. Um, it seems so incredibly inappropriate, but they did tan her somewhat, so I don't feel like it's an impossible idea. Um, false. It's true. Oh, no. Well, it's true in as much as there are makeup tests of the character with, with black, what looks like shoe polish all over her face. Really? That yeah. strong? Yeah. Wow. I know. Okay. Even the sea, even the sea on our beautiful beach was angry about that one. Yes. Did you hear? It was a bit more of a, a torrential wave. Adding to the authenticity of the beach location. Yeah. Now, I think there's a problem here because I've just realised this question I, I, I wrote a while ago and it's been answered by a podcast we listened to on the car on the way Good, over. ask it, ask it. I may not have listened very hard. Okay, Ch- chapter six? No, it's not even episode six, it's question six, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Question six. It was originally planned that Elizabeth Sladen would leave at the end of a six-parter in which Sarah Jane was killed. True or false? True! Do you the remember? Red Fort. You you were listening. I was listening. That, what, who are we? <laughs> who are we? Who are we I'm Andy, you're Alex. <laughs> who should we thank for that? What was the podcast? The podcast which we should thank was Flight Through Entirety. Yes. Thank you. Which we, en- we enjoy very much. I was really enjoying hearing about the possibility of mulching Elizabeth's lady. <laughs> yeah, I know, the idea that she'd be mulched. Yeah. Wrong. Bad and wrong. Okay. So we're on question seven. Melanie Bush was meant to be a computer program programmer, but originally she was intended to be a keep fit instructor. True or false? Well, she was kind of both, wasn't she? I'd say false because it's just too likely. So you're saying false. Yeah. You're correct. Question number eight. In first drafts, it was Ian Chesterton rather than the Brigadier that Tegan and co met up within Mordron and Dead. True or false? Oh. Oh, imagine. Mm. Imagine that. Yes. I think he'd have been up for a few more reunion type affairs. Yes, I do. Oh, they should get him back even now. They should. They before should. it's too late. I know. Um... False. It's true, I'm afraid. Bastards. Which is why they had the brigadier as a school teacher in an old, in a, yeah, retrained as a school teacher after the army, which oh, is weird because it was course. Ian. Of course. Why did And he was a maths teacher as well. Well, it should have been science, shouldn't it? But anyway. Maths, science. Yeah. That level. I feel like you're learning things I on am, the beach. But that's not really what I wanted. I wanted to win things. Okay, well, maybe next time, yeah, eh? Question nine. 
An early idea of the new Innes Lloyd production team in 1966 was to write Stephen and Dodo out by having them fall in love and leave the TARDIS to start a new life together in the Wild West, in the Gunfighters. True or false? Oh, you're doing that face. What face? That's just my face. It just looks like you're trying to look like it's a really big lie, but it could be just that it's a really big lie. And I've just not learned over the ages whether or not... Over 40 long years. I know. Nearly 40 years. It's just the double bluff that... You Keeps just, on bluffing. You look, you look guilty no matter what. Okay, I'm going to say true. <laughs> and I hate you. False. <laughs> I don't even know what you said. That was the worst lie ever. That <laughs> Stephen and Dodo would fall in love and leave in the Wild West. Why? Because it's not very likely. Is it not? Do they not? Are they not a togethery couple? I don't think so. I've not seen them. Well, I think Stephen would look askance at Dodo, or rather not look at her at all. Oh. Yeah. Well, well, old Peter Purvis was a bit of a one for the ladies, but I don't think he would have gone for Jackie Lane. Is that harsh? I don't know. He, he had a fling with um, Jean Marsh during the Dark Master Plan. <gasps> Did you not know that? No. Yeah. Rude. <laughs> Rude. So, final question. Not good. Okay. I think you've got about three. Good. Actually, that's better than usual. Shut up. Question ten. When Adrienne Hill played the role of Katerina over two different stories, she actually filmed her death scene first. True or false? Oh, God. False. True. So they knew already exactly yeah. what she it's was It's the first thing she did. She had a filmed insert of her being expunged from the airlock. Going to go downhill from there. It is because you can't. You know you can't actually. No. And what's the point of developing the character as well? No, I'm just dying shortly. Oh, so they've. I didn't know they used to film stories like mixing them up. I thought they'd film. I think it was rare. I think it's probably something to do with the length of Dark Master Plan or something. I don't know. Right. Well, I feel like I did incredibly well. You did really well then. But at least we may have educated some fans. Yeah. As your as your idiocy. There will be people screaming at this phone. <coughs> Not this phone. <laughs> they might be listening to it on a phone. They you don't, might You don't be. know. You don't know. <laughs> You're sounding very much like mum again. It's lovely. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> listening on your phone, are you love? <laughs> are you listening on your phone to the podcast? <laughs> I must just give a quick shout out to Greg and Ian Chambers, who they were in a car with me recently listening to the podcast. And they were shouting out answers to Planet or Planet. It was lots of fun. So hello, Greg and Ian. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Do they think I'm very stupid? I don't think I'm going to say. (laughs) So anyway, onwards and upwards, the result of the exciting... Yeah, it was. ...nicker-wetting... It was pretty nail-biting. ...Hall of Fame vote for the Curse of Peladon. So how do you think it went, the vote, Al? Well, I clearly have the utmost respect for our listeners and I know that they would have thought long and hard about their choice and then threw all of that thinking out of the window and voted for Alpha Centauri. So you knew that the vote would be Alpha Centauri beforehand? People love Alpha Centauri. We don't know why. People love a hermaphrodite hexapod. Well... Yeah, I, I don't think I know another, but yes. 
answer correct. Alpha Centauri won the vote. I was surprised it wasn't such a landslide, though. It was 61%. General Borlag really did. General Borlag, otherwise well. known as Islia. We prefer the, word, the, the name General Borlag. Got 23%. It's and then, then we had... Um, Arcturus. Arcturus on 12%. And finally, we like our percentages on the, this podcast. Torbis yeah. with 4%. You say we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. So at least Hepesh wasn't in there, eh? Yes. Yeah, if true. Hepesh had won it, you'd have been furious. <laughs> the wily old bird. Yes. Okay. So, um, Hark. Hark! <laughs> what does. Through... Look, look. look at it coming through the sky over the gorgeous waves. Oh my goodness, a big black strong bird. <laughs> It's a crow. It's a crow. Do you think it's our crow? Well, it could be. It might be someone else's crow, but she's heading straight for us. It's the Kaliak. Hey, Kaliak. How's it been? Our very fact-based crow. Oh. Now, you might remember, if you listened last time, that we um, were getting a bit cheesed off with the Kaliak. Come on. She's right here. She's <laughs> here. Sorry. I got a call for that. Um, so what's your news, Kaliak? Tell us your news. Okay, I've got the scroll. Okay. I'm unrolling it with, with not undue excitement. No, she generally, she's, she's always going to give us a, something that creates a reaction. Exactly, perhaps. maybe that's what she's after. Yeah. Okay, the scroll just says, in the new series of Doctor Who, my, my favourite companion is Graham. Okay. okay. So again. Oh, Kelly, you're not doing yourself any favours. This is not helpful. It's not fact-based information it's that opinion. tells us anything. It really is rubbish. But what is that flickering in the sky just above our heads? Which is seeming to... two bright lights. There's two bright lights. And that strange noise. Oh. You know what it might be looking like that as well? It looks like the Megara. The Megara! From hyperspace. <laughs> what can they be doing run here? Run and hide. You are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> what is it you want, Megara? Oh they make me nervous. We are the Megara. Justice machines. We are here to replace the Kaliak. Unless you have changed your minds... They're not really um, the most warm and caring of characters, are they? No. No. Right, so I don't understand how you're <laughs> hoping to supplant the Kaliak with this cruelty. I know. So I think this is our fault, though, because we called on the Megara because we said that we didn't want um, non-fact-based information from the Kaliak. But now, if this means that they're going to execute the Kaliak and yeah, take her place... a bit far. I think it's, yeah, it is taking it a bit far. It's a bit like Philip Hinchcliffe choosing to mulch Sarah at the end of season <laughs> two, taking things a bit far. Yeah, I would like to take a stand on behalf of all birds. All and, birds? Well, last episode it was native birds. All birds are native to somewhere. So You really, have a point. The Kaliak, she gets my vote. You might have rubbish facts, but... You've got a heart. You see, I'm a bit on the fence here because I'm liking the twinkling, twinkling sort of look of the Megara and I quite like the sound they make as well. Okay. No, I'm jesting. 
It's okay, Megara. We're going to keep with Cali the Kaliak, even though she might be rubbish with her facts. Is it that easy to get rid of the Megara? If so, you should have freaking told the doctor that a long time ago. <laughs> you can bob off now. Yeah. <laughs> bob off. <laughs> well, really, we've been wasting our time here. Come, there is justice to meet out elsewhere. They've gone. It was as easy as that. Who knew? Who knew? Not Tom Baker. No. So now we're here for the main event. And the main event of today's episode is a review of... The Reign of Terror! in here. It's terrible. Yes, it reminds me of when we were prisoners before, in the prehistoric age. Oh, yes, I remember that. But there was one very important difference. Grandfather and Ian were with us then. I've been loyal to the revolution from the beginning. You've known what France was like six years ago before the Bastille. You'd understand. I do understand, but I can't help you. Oh, you won't. France will never be anything until we're rid of these high-born leeches who've been sucking the lifeblood of France for so long. You must believe me, I can help you in no yeah. way. You can save yourself a lot of trouble and suffering by talking. This is your only chance. Do you realize that when I've finished with you, I'll transfer you to the prison? And then to the guillotine? It was new. It was new. Tell me what you mean, it was new. It was new for me. This is a whole new who. This is not a re-review, find out what I remember watching the first time around. This was a, I've never seen it before, what's going to happen next? It was quite exciting. So I think I've seen it once on a video and once on a DVD. DVD. Um, at my mate Brian's house. And I think I was distracted because I certainly didn't take in the whole plot as much as I did last night when we watched it. Because there was quite a lot of plot to take in, wasn't there? There was, there was plot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it a lot, but there was plot. So, first impressions, Al. First impressions. Um, William Hartnell, he just... He fluffs a line in virtually every episode. Yeah, and there was a glorious one here, wasn't there? I don't know. There was, oh, I've got a note so of it somewhere. Of I've got it here. You ha it was meant to be you haven't heard the news, but he said you haven't heard the nerve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I do In episode that. six. Yeah, you haven't heard the nerve. <laughs> you haven't heard the nerve. Um, but also, like, he, that's his acting capability. Yep, okay. There's a lot of not great actors in Doctor Who. But also, as, an, as a character, he's never very nice. Like... He, he does look after Susan. Love it. Glad about that. That's, that's good. That's a consistent quality in his character that I like. And he cares about Ian and Barbara. Well, all that bit at the <coughs> beginning where they're like stroking his shoulder and, oh, let's go have a drink. Oh, and I'm working he, around him a bit. I was like, just sod off. Yeah, but that's because he cares about them so much. He was angry about the fact that they were saying they were leaving. Oh, is that it? So I it just... was all about bravado and, he, and they had to con him into saying, oh, well, well let's say goodbye because it would be nice to end, say goodbye on good terms. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, it just... I, I hate any of that trying to pander to a grumpy man attitude. That doesn't right. work in my life. <laughs> it's not, it's not a world you're, you're willing to... Um, no. 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 Fair enough. But yeah, no, I thought, as an overall, there was a plot that I was interested in. And, um, no, I know nothing. 
about that period in history. So it's quite interesting, really. Yeah. Quite interesting. So I think most of my knowledge of the French Revolution and the Reign of Terror is probably from a Blue Peter special assignment, which is a kind of special episode of Blue Peter. And there was one, I don't know who presented it, but it was um, on Marie Antoinette. And it was all about her running excitedly through the corridors of, um, of what's called Versailles and then having to leave by a secret doorway in her bedroom because they were all coming to kill her and all that stuff and take okay. her to the Madame Guillotine. stuck with you, did it? It did. Good. But um, I don't think it was really something, a period that we really covered in school. No. I don't think they cover it now. No, crop rotation still. Because there was that moment where they said, oh, and maybe 27th of July, 1794, will be a day that lives in infamy. <laughs> Like, that what was happened. Yeah, we were both like something happened that day. We don't know what it was. So quickly went on to Google. Yeah. And we discovered that was the end of the Reign of Terror officially, because it was the day that Robespierre was. I didn't even know the Reign of Terror was a term I should have heard of oh, really? outside of Doctor Who. Gosh. Yeah, because if anyone said Reign of Terror to me, I'd go, Oh yeah, Doctor Who, William Hartnell. <laughs> Obviously, you all know my knowledge of Doctor Who is immense. <laughs> as, as proven by <laughs> All right, yeah. Exactly. One thing I did love in episode one... Tell us, yeah, let's stay a, stay a while in the Land of Fear, which is the name of episode one. Oh, is it? I love the um, soldiers rhubarbing. There was a lot of rhubarb. There was a lot of rhubarb, 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 But also, I learned that eyebrow wigs are not a recent, recent thing. There was a definite eyebrow wig in episode what? one. An eyebrow wig? What's that? The guy who shot the guy. You know, the guy and the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth Ray and Darjanson. Oh, for goodness sake. You and your note-taking. I made a special note of them because they had bizarre names. So they got shot by a guy who wore eyebrow wigs. Yeah. No? You can't oh, just say yeah to me on that I'm one. I'm going to agree. Is that the one who looked, like, very French? He was very dark. I, I remember so. the eyebrow wigs. I don't remember them. Okay, good. Okay, what I do remember that. was that Danjonson's reaction to the soldiers being outside was to shout really loudly so that the soldiers knew they were definitely <laughs> in there. <laughs> it was a little bit of a He was silly. Yeah. I didn't like how comfortable Barbara and Susan were about stealing clothes. That was like, <laughs> what this clothes here? They're mine. They're all <laughs> mine. I'm wearing that one. You can have that one. That was quite strange. I didn't have so much of a problem with that as, as the fact that Ian immediately realised it was an escape line. Yeah. He's an incisive chap. I know. He I was thinking, what? Things. Clothes in a chest must be an escape line. It's the obvious first conclusion. No, it was blank. Security type papers was with a signature. I must have missed them. Oh, yeah, you completely did. Mm. Um, uh, we must stay for a while and talk about the boy. The boy? <laughs> Tell me about the boy. You see, the, the thing is, if you want to know anything, yeah. anything at all... Is this just... in France in the 18, in 1700s? No, anywhere. No, anywhere. Okay. Anywhere. If you find yourself a little, slightly dirty French boy 
with a very English accent and terrible hair. Ask him a question, he'll have all of the answers. Yeah. He knows everything. Yes. Any pertinent bit of plot device, he has it all. He is plot exposition boy. He was amazing. Without him, we'd know nothing. In episode two, he was responsible for the entire recap of what has happened he for was. all those people who've been watching ITV. <laughs> He was brilliant. Who watches ITV? No, sorry, not in this house. Not on my watch. But Jean-Pierre, as he was called, um, he told everything to the doctor that he needed to know, didn't he? He needed to know. Yes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But he was was brilliant. He was. He just, he has all the knowledge. He does. He likes people with all the knowledge. Where are my friends? Mm. The soldiers set fire to the farmhouse and took them to Paris, to the conciergerie prison. They'll be locked up there before they go to the guillotine. Oh, oh very brave boy. Are you feeling uh, all right now, sir? Yes, I think so. Yes, I go. Oh, oh, oh. It's quite remarkable. How can I ever begin to thank you? You see, mm. there were two men hiding in the house. One of them knocked you over the head. Then the soldiers came. The two men were shot and your friends arrested. That's a tragic business. But you can still escape. My mother can give you some food. Our farm isn't far away. Just over there. And that way leads to Paris. Yes, I must rescue my friends. But you mustn't do that, sir. You'll be captured, sent to the guillotine. You saved me, my boy. So I must rescue them. Now you can understand that, can't you? Hmm? Yes. I wish I could come with you. But since my father was taken away, he told me to look after my mother. Yes, yes, yes. Now you're the head of the house. Yes. Yes, well, I... Oh, thank you. Thank you for everything. And what's your name? Jean-Pierre. I should remember, yes. Jean-Pierre. Over. Yeah. I didn't like. I didn't like. Yeah. That the soldiers, those early soldiers. Mm-hmm. The early soldiers. The early soldiers. There may have been later soldiers, but I remember the early soldiers. They, they weren't given personalities. They were all just. Rhubarby. Well, they were rhubarby, but they were jeery and oh, isn't it funny? Oh yes, they were. Ah, dying uh, in a house. Uh, yes. like, People aren't that heartless. People no. aren't... Like, I know that when people are in a crowd, they generally behave in a slightly more vicious way than they perhaps would alone. But it just... It was a shame not to allow personality into who they are. And I know that's probably a more recent thing that's kind of in those in this kind of a show. But it just seems such a shame to have them be, like, utterly cruel and without thought because they were clearly just French revolutionaries who don't care about people. And that just seemed a bit yeah. unnecessary. I mean, I think this is a problem with the Reign of Terror in general, in Doctor Who, not, not the Reign of Terror in reality. <laughs> Let's be clear about this. <laughs> Please tell us the problem with the yes, whole of the Reign of the whole of the Reign of Terror. Terror. Yes, I'll start, it started in 1791. <laughs> um, was that in the story that they kind of presented everyone who was a revolutionary as if they were just... Well, they were anti the aristocracy. But the main thing, the main catalyst for the reign of terror was about the evils of religion and how they were getting all the money and all that but it was also about christianity that as as it had taken hold of france then was very much all about irrationality and religion and the citizens and robespierre and all that lot although they were guillotining people's heads off it was all about actually let's use some rational thought and some science to work out what we should do in the world but that did that. but that didn't come through. No, it didn't. So it was all about a sort of it was a thought revolution as much as a sort of anything else. Yeah. But I don't think that was actually communicated through the story. No, at any that point. probably wasn't the purpose of the story. But it would have been nice had it been. Yeah. So anything else in episode one? No. Oh, oh, I do have one thing, which was 
when Barbara and Ian were talking about in the TARDIS about whether they wanted to leave, it was actually they were outside the TARDIS. And Ian was like, when he discovered they weren't in England, that he's actually quite relieved. And he looked at Barbara and said, what do you think? And she gave him a look as if to say, well, I wanted to be damn well home. I've had oh, enough. Really? <laughs> oh, maybe you read a bit too much into Barb's face. Yeah. As for Susan, running around the TARDIS console room like she's 12 years old, skittering around on those, in those stupid slip-on shoes... I'm not having it. Not happy. I love that she gets introduced as a young girl wherever she goes. I know. Like... My young girl, my child. <laughs> my less, child. definitely less than 13 years old child. Yeah. She looks about a year younger than Barbara. <laughs> than Babs. Um, we'll, we'll have to talk about the hair later, probably under our now regular feature, Dressed for Success. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, moving on. So, our, our friends... Sorry, companions. Oh. <laughs> oh. Get taken to the conciergerie, which is the French prison. Can I just tell you a story quickly about that? Please do. So when I first got Doctor Who Monthly in 1982, one of the first issues, it may even have been the first issue, I had Peter Davison on the front with Time Flight picture, Concord stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, got you. Was that um, an episode had been recovered, and the episode was called Prisoners of Conciergerie, episode six of The Reign of Terror. And it was like, the title was like, now we're down to 138 episodes, which I thought was, well, that was a shit of a lot. I had no idea there was that many missing. That's, so this is presented as good news, but I think it's bad because there's 138 missing. I didn't even know that. Damn. But, um, but also, I didn't know what a conciergerie was, and I didn't know it was actually the name of an actual prison on the Ile de France in Paris. I've never been to. I know all the information to know. You know it all. But, um, so I thought the episode was called Prisoners of Conciergerie. Yeah. And I didn't know what Conciergerie was. No, but neither do I. I remember talking to someone saying, isn't it good that Prisoners of Conciergerie was returned? <laughs> or someone, my mate Paul. He was like, for- yes. <laughs> and that was the end of that insightful conversation when we were ten. Thanks for that. And I have a problem with that episode title. I know we're not there yet. No. But episode six, called Prisoners of Conciergerie. Mm. Every, in every episode, bar episode one, they are prisoners of conciergerie. Yeah, it's not new. It's not a new situation. Yeah. But there's a new prisoner in episode six, which is oh, quite a big clever. deal. clever. Should we leave that, that gripping <laughs> reveal to later? <laughs> that just revealed itself to you. <laughs> I know. You say that's good that you got that. Oh, didn't I, though? Yeah, so you did well. Right. So I need to tell you So I've got a fact. Tell me the fact. The fact. No one knows this. Nobody no. at all. But this is the first time in Doctor Who history that they did location filming. Did you know? Did you? Did you? Oh my God, I don't know how you knew that and I, I didn't. know everything. But you know what's a shame? What's a shame? <laughs> <laughs> you, you tell me and I'll listen and, re- and react. <laughs> but for the first bit of location filming, yeah. they thought... We won't use an actual cast member. No, 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 we'll we choose, wouldn't, would we? No. We'll choose someone with a lady's bottom <laughs> to pretend to be William Hartnell. It's just, why would you do that? Uh, to be fair, I only think that Brian Proudfoot, for it was he. Um, thank you, Caroline Ford, for your insightful um, <laughs> was an amazing comments in the, um, <laughs> in the interview. Yeah. Um, I think he looks like he has a woman's bottom, women's bottom, a woman's bottom when he's not got his coat on. But as soon as he takes that coat off, 
He does look like he's got a woman's bottom and he's plodding along, You mean he? when you can't see his bottom? Yes. He has a man's bottom. When you can see his bottom, it's a woman's bottom. Yeah. So, in fact, he's got a woman's bottom. <laughs> okay, I think you've proved that without <laughs> any any sort of shadow of any sort it of just, doubt. It's such a shame. Like, it was quite a monumental piece in, like, Doctor Who history. You know that this is going to be talked about, the first ever location filming. Exactly. Why would you not take some time out of the schedule to film the real fecking characters? Having said that, I was impressed that they felt the need to film on many lanes. Yes. <laughs> it, wasn't it wasn't just one. But I did feel that Barbara and Susan got off lightly by being transported by carriage because, for Rick's sake, the doctor took forever to get there. He did, he had to walk. Mm. Yeah. Um, question marks as to whether kilometres were actually around in 1790 oh, yeah. thing as well. No, they definitely were. were there, How yeah. do you not know that? Oh, they were definitely around oh, okay. before. I must just give a nice sort of thumbs up to this very start of episode two, Guests of Madame Guillotine. Actually, there's a lot of people who have trouble saying guillotine throughout. There's lots of variations. Guillotine. Oh, I think guillotine. Isn't guillotine correct? It is. But I think uh, that there's the a lot doctor, of around yeah, it. William Hartnell definitely does a bit of a guillotine, <laughs> which is enjoyable. But then we know he's always going to peck up everyone. So what I was going to say was I like the still at the start. It was, yes. it was Well, it was a freeze, wasn't it? And then they unfroze it, it and was, the thing was, came down was moving but i have to say i i just can't get over the the my disappointment that at no point is there a scene in which they have to be shoved onto the scaffold from the cart and in front of the guillotine that would have been so good they don't ever really use that suspenseful i know that would have been so exciting the to and the from and the that's it and it's all because of the inability to do a crowd scene in lime grove studios (laughs) oh god they really hated that studio i feel like their pain after watching the little vignettes of their anger at the studio i feel like it was quite a a sweaty stressful moment for them yeah with the ever present threat of sprinklers turning on So, um, yeah, I just think it's a shame, especially when you're going to put the guillotine at the start of the episode and they're guests of Madame Guillotine, but in fact they're just... Oh, what? They're prisoners of conciergerie. (laughs) That's all they ever are. No, but they did have a moment on a cart. That was exciting. They did. Oh, something else about the cart moment Mm. is there's a man with blonde hair on the cart with them who looks like he might be significant. And because he was in all the episodes, in all the sort of the stills to support the fact that prisoners of conciergerie had been returned, I also thought he was quite a key character in the Reign of Terror. Doesn't get one line. <laughs> He's just a man with blonde hair. He looks like he can act as well, but no, does he? he does. Oh gosh, how do you get that from him? I don't know. Staring at old black and white images in Doctor Who magazine and thinking he looks like he could be a useful character. Mm. See what I again. That moment, yeah. I know Caroline Ford was very happy because there was a horse there, little flower. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those women, they were, again, characters that were really non-human. It just, that whole thing that a woman would just be looking out of the window, laughing hysterically because someone was about to die. And then quickly closing their windows at the same time, like it, it was, was on... on little face-shaped holes. <laughs> it was weird, wasn't it? What was that it about? Was, it didn't... I just feel that showing that humans have a general cruelty about them isn't very real. It doesn't, it's not something that resonates well with me. And I just think if you just, if they looked a bit afraid, if they looked a bit disgusted or something, it would, it would mean something. But if they're just, wah, 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 oh, those people are about to die. But it was a cliche, wasn't it, of the sort of the women who were at the scaffold. I think it was the equivalent of those women who used to sit and knit whilst 
the um, people who are being beheaded at the guillotine. Don't believe it. Yeah. I must say, though, I did like the moment when that mad old woman walked past the... Oh, no! <laughs> she's the best limp! <laughs> she's brilliant! The most uh, mental-looking I christened her Hacky Ann. <laughs> you did! Hacky Ann! She really lived the role of Hacky she Ann. She wasn't on the screen long enough. No, I, I would have had a whole episode called... Well, I would just, just get rid of a change of identity. Just call it episode Hacky Ann. <laughs> and follow her adventures around Life Paris. Life loves of Hacky Ann. Yes. <laughs> and I think it would be a bit like, you know, Mission to un- the Unknown later on. The, what, that one-off episode. Just going off on a tangent. Yeah. Give the regulars a break. God, we Mission could, to the Unknown. We could have had all that Hacky Ann <laughs> scenario. It could have been good. Yeah. She but might have instead, even turned out to be James Sterling. You never know. <laughs> More likely than the actual. Yeah. So Susan was <laughs> freaking useless. Tell me more. Oh, she just every time life gets tough, she gets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I don't feel well, Barbara. <laughs> and she's just so feeble. There's just no like if anything actually happened to her. Yeah. I like, because nothing actually does. She's just always hidden away in rooms. Hidden away in rooms. Not doing anything, but it's all too much for dear little Susan. And we find out later she goes to the doctor and he basically says, just go to bed and have a Panadol. There's and nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. But everyone risked life and limb to find that out. She's just very moany. Susan, are you ready? Come on now. Oh, I can't. You go, Bob. Oh, don't be silly. Come on, pull yourself oh, together. My head's splitting and my back's aching. All right, Susan. It's all right. <laughs> I do feel sorry for Caroline Ford in the basis, on the basis that, you know, she was promised all that excitement of, like, telepathic and sort of a bit kick-ass, and she never turned out to be that. But having said that, Caroline Ford didn't mention it once in the, in the no, interview, she, did she? she? She's, she's like, quite proud of her role. Yes. Just, maybe she's just got, she just knows that's what it was. Yeah. Like, you can't get, get weird about it. But I, I think it would be unlikely that they would have given the same pieces of plot crap to Ian like yeah. imagine Ian stuck in a room the whole exactly. time coughing exactly. it just would not be okay like it, it cannot be easy sat on a chair looking morose which is what she does in virtually every story every, every scene in every story <laughs> so yeah this isn't what my agent told me but, um, I mean there was that moment where Barbara says right you, you need to have a break because you've been digging for this for ages trying to dig this hole into the sewer or whatever they were doing and she's like, no, I'll do it again. And she went over and do it again and immediately went, <coughs> I can't do it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. She should have said, yes, I freaking told you. you <laughs> sit down and do what I say. Sit down, just like I knew you would. <laughs> You're useless. useless girl. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, I did like, the only thing I did really like from Susan was there was a little moment of reflection where Barbara's like, oh, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. And Susan's like, I'm really not sure that we will be this time. And she was like, you can't go on being lucky. She had that line. And then she said, things end up catching up with you. And I think she really had got to a point where she's like, well, I know this is really seriously bad. Perhaps because she, of course, read the French Revolution book at Coal Hill School. She had read it in episode one. Of course she did. And we also know it's weirdly... The Doctor's favourite period of history. The Doctor's favourite period of history. On what basis? Yeah. 
Barbara all the death. Barbara. I think Barbara quite likes it as a period in history as well, though. She does. She gets quite into the... Um... But I think that's because she likes a pinafore. <laughs> oh, honestly, I've never seen her happier than when she's serving pints in that pub. No. When she's a West Country French barmaid. That what was, was the just... line? What was the line? <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. How many guests are we expecting? <laughs> How many guests are we expecting? She was uh, yeah, brilliant. Because that's brilliant. what you need in a pub outside of Paris. You need you to do. be able to do a good West Country accent West in order in order to, to confuse people like that might one day be called Barras <laughs> or Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte. Bonaparte. <laughs> there was very much a lack of surprise that it was Napoleon Bonaparte. No. They knew it was Napoleon Bonaparte just by looking at him. Yes! What was that about? Well, he had a general air. He did look like Napoleon Bonaparte in the history books, but that would have been an argument for you for him not to be like that. I don't know. Can... can I get you anything, citizen? Uh, yes, some wine. How many guests are you expecting? Just the one. Anyway, can we go back to episode two? Because we've skipped massively. Oh, God. And I have things oh, to say. Oh, episode two. I'm virtually at the end. <laughs> I feel that I, we have not discussed Jean Renault's mullet. I was going to say Jules Renault. Jules Renault. Let's talk about Jules Renault and Jean his hair. Jules Renault's mullet. Well, I think that's it. it. It was a thing of beauty. It was. Um... I think he definitely, as with many characters in this story, should have been grateful for the fact that two episodes were lost and they had to be animated. <laughs> because his hair improved greatly through animation. Um, that I think all their, all their hair improved through animation. Barbara really should always be animated. Barbara's hair was... Her was, eyes were beautiful. They were beautiful. Animated. They were Jacqueline Hill's beautiful eyes animated in glory. Yeah. But... Um, Less oh, so. remember that you did promise that you were going to give me Barbara hair while we're on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might have promised to back home your hair. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> if it doesn't end up that high or wide, I'll be furious. Well, I think there might have been a problem with the um, hair person on the, the hair person. That's the what they're called. Yeah. Hair and makeup I on the Reign of Terror. Hair people. <laughs> they, they didn't know how to do Barbara's hair because her hair was kind of sort of back and flat yeah. this episode. Apart from in the animation, because you can improve all this in animation, yeah, can't yeah, you? they did a good job. Although they kind of made Susan's hair... I'm not utterly obsessed with hair, I'd like to point out, but Susan's hair was more like the cool, funky Susan hair that you get, I think, in an earthly child, maybe elsewhere, but it definitely wasn't the sort of, like, it's quite full in The Reign of Terror, the rest it of it. It was. It was very So it was full. wrong. Less pixie. I think they use reference photos to ill effect. Did you know? What? I myself am a regional officer of the provinces. <laughs> I can tell that you are a regional officer of the provinces because... Because of you've my got, large You've got a big affair. plumed hat. <laughs> I'm glad you noticed. I'm amazed you brought it down to the beach without comment. <laughs> We've had several families. No I, one mentioned your hat. I feel that the confidence a plumed hat gives you is something unparalleled. And, uh, <laughs> something more should experience. I'm just going to say two words to you. Sacre bleu. <laughs> Someone actually said it, didn't they, at one point in the episode? He's a regional officer from the southern province. I can read, thank you, jailer. Um, I did think that even though Ian was um, not in episodes two and three because he was on holiday. In France. In France, weirdly. I, I, I was thinking, honestly, come on, production team, work it out. 
William Russell's actually in France in the two weeks that you need him. You should have just brought an iPhone. Brought an, bring an iPhone from the future, film him by the Seine with a bit of business with some bars. Bit and you're going to film him in Paris. Given him a plume. The first location filming could have been in Paris. How cool would that? No, we have to the wait. The City of Death would have been nothing We have to wait 15 that. years to go to Paris for City of Death. Yeah. William Russell could have been first. Admittedly, not having a holiday. No. No. Was he married at that time? Um, yes, I think several marriages. Oh. Dirty. <laughs> not necessarily dirty. You don't <laughs> not know. Not necessarily. No. Feels it. <laughs> but um, I imagine he holidayed quite hard. Do you? <laughs> yes, I do. I feel like he was very carpet slippers and no, cardigan I kind of a man. I think then at the time, I think he was quite a party. Mm. I think he'd have gone to all the right restaurants in, on do the Champs-Élysées. Really? I do. I do. I think that. The sea's getting quite close. <laughs> <I love laughs> is that. I'm a bit nervous. I'm glad that you've kind of um, accentuated the reality <laughs> of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, it is there. It is there. Well, let's move us along a bit. Anyway, yeah. let's move on to episode three. We're only on episode three. Oh, a God. change of identity. I, I, there was three... No, there's two lines I loved in this episode that bear repeating. A crowded street and a successful rescue will never mix. was a line that someone actually said. Really? A crowded street and a successful rescue will never mix. I feel it was either Jules or Jean who said that. Because mm. that's a line I say regularly. When I'm Do trying you? to rescue someone... I always try to rescue them somewhere quiet, a good, quiet street. Good call. <laughs> because if you're on a crowded, <laughs> crowded street, street never and a successful rescue, it never mixes. No. It's true. Think of all those times when you've tried. Yeah. Um, I like this other one, which is also a well-known phrasal saying that we yeah. say regularly. Yeah. We have surprise on our side. It is worth three men. Very <laughs> <laughs> much. Three men, not just two. Mm. Three men. Oh, I, see, I don't take notes in an ordered way, so I have no idea what episode I'm okay, on. Okay, tell me anyway. But I would like to say hmm. that, obviously, I've got a little bit of disdain for William Hartnell. He does wind me up I, I quite know, a lot. I noticed. Sorry. So noted. Not my first doctor, clearly. But, I, you know, I respect the fact he was the first one, did a good job, set the scene, made it so that they got another one. Good. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time that I've really seen him... Be that strong, confident yep. chap that really had a plan. He's, Several plans. Yes. Some of which I still don't understand. <laughs> I know. I'm but he of just a... stormed into a room with feathers as high as you can imagine, just saying, yeah, I own this shit. Yep. I know what is going on. You are going to listen to me. He looked yep. so proud of himself. I, that was new and fun. It was. His biggest achievement was just convincing the jailer that Barbara should just be allowed to walk out, out of the prison and Even not be stopped. That, I know everything when he, he first did. first walked in and met the jailer, he, he would have had to have had a couple of beers, I reckon, to get yeah. him into that level of confidence. Exactly. But he really nailed it. There was no, I would have believed him. I would. He was, he was a strong man. And I see him as quite a bumbling idiot most of the time. So it was a nice change. There was much less... Mm, mm. Yes, that's so annoying. Chesterfield, my boy. There was not much of that. And I think that was maybe because he was separated from... Separated, I said that weird. Yeah, no. Separate... Don't. How do you say it? Separate. Se- se- separated? <laughs> That's it. More from, of an emphasis on the third syllable. <laughs> Ian Velvet and Susan for most of the story. So he actually had to just be him and not rely on going, hmm. Yes, actually that did help because he generally is just the bumbling man next to the, mm. the people of sense. 
but yeah, they were they were all mm. busy in a chateau. A <laughs> chateau. Chateau. <laughs> chateau. Chateau. You see, all this French is making me question how I'm saying words. I can't even begin to say the word separated anymore. <laughs> now then. What was that moment where we gasped <laughs> with excitement and joy? As I'm sure all the listeners will too. Oh my freaking Christ. Oh my I freaking Franks. You weren't with me for the poll, but I know secretly you all love him. Who is he? The War Chief. The War Chief turns up in the Reign of Terror. Who He's knew? Like, and not only do I fancy him, so does Barbara. She is into the war chief. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's complete vindication for your love. Because if Babs loves the war chief, albeit in the form of Léon Colbert, yeah. that was quite good, wasn't it? Yeah. And even after she finds out that he's a bit dodgy, she's like, nah, he's got reasons. Yeah. Like, that is love right there. That's it. She, even when he turns out to be a, a baddie, as my son would say, a baddie. He is a baddie. He's a baddie. He actually was doing it for reasons that I think I was, start, I was talking about earlier. He yeah. Was, yeah, good he, ones. Yes. He actually believed. Yeah. Oh, Barbara, this is a good friend of mine, Leon. Barbara? She's here with a young friend. They're staying with us for a few days. I'm pleased to meet you. Pleasure is all mine. We're slipping out for a while, Barbara. It won't be for long. I'll take good care of her, sure. Come, Jean. Don't delay. Perhaps you'd care for some wine? Yes. Thank you. I should also add that Edward Brayshaw, for which was he. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, his hair was also improved by animation. It was gorgeous. It was tressy. It was sort of highlighted. But he did look pretty suave. I'd, I'd say out of all of them in reality, obviously as I would because I love him, mm. he did look pretty darn dashing. He did. He could rock a pinstripe... Pinstripe outfit. Weird suit. That was good. Yes. Um, pause a moment to talk about Danielle. You know, we say pause a moment. Can we actually pause a moment to run away from the sea? Because I'm quite scared. <laughs> We're fine. We'll be fine. We'll okay. be fine. Let's not go to that safe grass over there. No. Good. Danielle. Yes, Danielle. Well, Danielle, she was never truly explored. I had, again, high hopes for her. In the same way man in, man in cart, you are imagining great things He from. was going to be important. He but was going to save them at the last minute. she did lots of side glances. She did. She looked like she was thinking lots of thoughts. As you would say, she's a bit thinky. She was a bit uh, Danielle. thinky. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Jean... When she said, shall we go run a bath? Oh, yes, I'll go run a bath with you. <laughs> Why are you sighing? That Jean and Danielle were at Jean it. and Danielle <laughs> were so at it. But it was, yeah, there was things there that could have happened. Well, I mean, there's another obvious um, sort of, what's it called? Spin-off series. Jean and Danielle. 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 It's like Chanel, isn't it? Danielle. Anyway. Moving on. Oh, I must have to, have to say that there's something that our mum, talking about mother, mm. she used to regularly say to us, if, um, if we didn't do stuff, I'll have you shot at dawn. <laughs> she did. She always said that to <laughs> and her. And William Hartnell said it. Love him. I'll have you shot at dawn. <laughs> did William Hartnell say it? Or... Someone said it. Oh, was it Robespierre? I think it was a threatening person. Mm. Now, can we just hover a while around the character of Lemit? I'm impressed with a bit of Lemit. Are you? Lemit! Lemit! Um, they enjoyed saying his name in various ways. I it was a bit like guillotine. Some people were quite afraid. <laughs> some people said Lemaitre. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, 
that's not his name. That's how still. you'd say it if you were in French class when you're nine. Yeah. Yeah, but still, these people didn't know. Mm. Be nice. But he... I honestly, I had shock. I had shock moments. Mm. I thought, bloody hell! They've actually not used the same plot device that they would use in everything else. They really turned things around. Yeah. I was terrified of this dude. He was an angry, nasty pants. He was bad. He, he was, was in the so, prison doing really bad things. They built up that feeling of he's one of those untrustable, yeah. nasty prison dudes. Absolutely. And he wasn't. He was who we were talking to. He was Master Spy, James Sterling. James Sterling. Such a good name. Yeah. But no, I really enjoyed that. I thought they they made him a real character. They gave him depth. They used what we would always assume as a one-dimensional chap and then gave him dimension. He was good. He was good. What can you have to say to us? Please, I come as a friend. A friend? Ian will tell you that what I say is true. I will? Well, surely you realise that your escape from prison was arranged. I saw to it that you got the key, and I took care of the jailer. Why? Why should you do that? I was certain in my own mind that Webster gave you a message to deliver. You had to have the opportunity to deliver it. Unfortunately, I don't have enough time to wait now. I had to collect. Collect? Yes. I am James Sterling. Sterling? You? Is it so surprising? You must have already decided that to be of any use I would have to hold some position of authority. Although, I do think in the animation he was one of the characters that they didn't animate as well. Oh, I didn't know it was him most of the time. Yeah, did I? And I tell you, whenever Jean came in the room, you were like... I was like, who's that, Alex? <laughs> like, it's Jean again. <laughs> Who? We always knew when it was Jules Renault because we could see his mullet hair. But everyone else, like when they took the bag off Ian's head, I was like, well, that's not Ian. Who's that? Who's this? Is a new character? Is that James Stewart? I learned that Sideways Jean was very different to Front on Jean. I know. And Sideways Lumet was very different. Bless Big Finish for having a go at doing the animation. Stop blessing them. They don't want to be blessed. They'll be furious. I know, but they were good. I'm talking of saying with the animation for a bit though. <laughs> Hartnell's underbite. <laughs> no, it's not just Hartnell. The conversation between Robespierre oh, yeah. and Hartnell, I, where I, they've I... both got Planet of the Apes underbites. <laughs> beyond brilliant. <laughs> if you could all do underbite movements while you're listening to oh, this. It was so much fun. It was good. The, the underbite scene at the very start of episode four, The Tyrant of France. Watch it. Yeah. We encourage you to watch it without laughing. Yeah. But then also, because they must have had some stills from which to do this from, when you watch episode six and then see Robespierre in the flesh, he does have quite an underbite. (laughs) (laughs) And you keep seeing the bottom of his teeth more than you were ever expecting. I know. It was. was I was quite pleased that they did have episode six, that Prisoners of Conciergerie was returned <laughs> because it meant that he actually was on screen for a bit yeah I was more sad though that Edward Brayshaw only gets one episode though yeah that's true because he had two episodes all that exciting scene where he was eventually shot and stuff it's a shame we don't have that that's true we liked was, him yeah he was living in my heart throughout yeah. now Robespierre there was a part in episode four where it was kind of like we had sort of stumbled onto a very dull drama about the Reign of Terror that had nothing to do with Doctor Who yeah, for the first funny. ten minutes. Was that when they were just talking back and forth? And yeah, like and I kind of yeah. phased out. Yeah. And it was about what was going on in France in the provinces. Yeah. And I was like, this doesn't get anything to do with the plot. But I'm I think a that... regional officer for the provinces, don't you? Know? <laughs> I think the whole point of it was that 
Robespierre was so interested in his own self-importance and the threat to him and his exposition that he forgot to ask the doctor why he was dressed up as an officer of the regional officer of the provinces, which is quite funny. And it actually doesn't make sense, actually, that Le Mert would be trying to get him in trouble, actually, Mm. now, thinking about it, because he's a good dude. I'm confused now. I must draw attention to... Sand in your Prosecco. (laughs) Sand in your Prosecco. It's not good. Um, There was a moment in which Barbara was describing what Susan was doing in, in the house... I'm, I'm very worried about it because she just stood there and she kicked off all her clothes. Did she? <laughs> Did she? I thought that was a very odd description. Are you sure that's not when you dozed off? <laughs> I don't know what said. She kicked off all her clothes. Very odd. This is all in your mind. Yeah. And also Susan was um, well enough when the plot suited it. I know! She was ill when the plot I suited it. I know! I'm so fine that I'm going to be sarcastic about the fact that you like Leon, Barbara. Yeah. But suddenly, no, I'm ill. I have to do oh, something. I'm ill. I'm ill. I can't move. Take me to a doctor immediately. Take me there. Oh, we never get to see Ronald Pickup. Ronald Another Pickup. Another terrible thing. Who is one of my favourite all-time characters in Fortunes of War. Oh. With the lovely Em and Ken. Mm. Brilliant in that. But in this, he's the physician who locks Susan and Barbara away. We never see him. And what happened? Yeah, he, he, like the shopkeeper... He takes it upon himself to shop them, doesn't he? He does. There's a lot of cruelty. There was. There's no... Actually, yeah, it did do well at that. The people who you'd think had... Oh, shit, the sea. No, we're okay. The sea. We're okay. No, that's really close. It's not any second away. We're fine. Are we closing? No, honestly. So we're back in the room. We moved <laughs> up, up off the beach because the, the waves were getting dangerously fast. I'm really glad that I listened to my own heart and <laughs> not listen to your rubbish because we'd be wet right We now. would. In fact, where we were sitting is already wet now. Mm-hmm. But we're now up on the bank. You'll be relieved to hear because mm. I know you're worried about us. They were listeners. nervous. So we were just talking about Susan who um, at one moment was um, kicking off all her clothes. Later on, we heard that she... She's sleeping now. She's sleeping now. She's sleeping now. <laughs> like Dr. Quinn, the medicine <laughs> woman. Brilliant. Um, I got rather too obsessed with Le Chien Gris. You did. You didn't hear early on that Ian had said that he was picked up by Jean Renault there. And, and you just was like, but what about Le Chien Gris? Le Chien Gris has not happened yet. Where is Le Chien Gris? Is he Le Chien Gris? I know. Well, I kind of thought I had vague memories of them ending up in a pub, and I thought, well, that must be the Xiangri, and they've got to go there. Mm. But of course, it wasn't. That Nothing was the sinking it. ship, wasn't it? It was the sinking ship. Which is um, possibly what Henrik Hirsch thought the Reign of Terror was. How many guests are you expecting? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Barbara's in the freaking room. I know. <laughs> um, so, yes, the, I love the scene in which. They were with the physician, Ronald Pickup, as I live and breathe, when Susan realised that the only way she was going to get cured in 1790s France was to have a bloodlet. Leeches. Yes. She was like, I'm fine. <laughs> she kind of perked, didn't she? She was like, I'll be fine. <laughs> it's okay. As you said, Panadol or two. <laughs> here. Too late, on their way to it become, guess what? Though, like, how quick they were to go and get a doctor. It's just like, she's feeling a bit ill. Doctor! <laughs> exactly. Yes, you appear to have a feverish chill, but it's nothing very serious. Well, that's a relief. 
All the same, I'm surprised at your condition. Tell me, have you, uh, have you any idea how you came to catch it? No. None. Hmm. Your symptoms would suggest that you haven't been looking after yourself. Well, I've done nothing unusual. Yes. Has she been eating properly? Oh, she has an enormous appetite. Look, Doctor, if you could, well, give her something. We appreciate your time's valuable. We've no wish to delay quite you. Quite so, quite so. There's another thing, your, uh, your hands, they're very blistered, aren't they? Uh, Doctor, can you help her? Yes, I'll treat her. It's a simple matter of bloodletting. Unfortunately, I shall have to go out and collect some leeches. You called rather early. I was on my way to collect them first thing this morning, but you're welcome to wait. Well, maybe it would be better if we came back. Come back. No, no, no. I shall be out all day. You'll have to wait, but please make yourself comfortable. But no, it was back to the conciergerie for them. Oh, no. Best place for you. No. I remember Caroline Ford saying in the um, interviews that she felt like the Reign of Terror lasted forever. <laughs> and no wonder she felt like that, because she just spent all her time lying in rooms ill Exhausting. or in prison cells. Yeah. So she must have felt, this is going a long, long time. Yeah. She probably did feel almost incarcerated. Poor flower. I just wanted to mention as well, something about the animation and the way they did it, that it really reminded me of Broken Sword. <laughs> Everyone's with you here. No, I'm with you. So Broken Sword is that computer game. Computer game? Computer game from the 90s. Was it 90s? I or was it later? Know. It might have been later, but we loved it's that. It's a brilliant one. It's, I think it's the perfect role-playing game for those who are not, not okay with computers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is why I liked it. <laughs> yeah, me too. George Stobart and Nico. Yes. Anyway, all our underground Paris business was very much like that. It was. Paris in the fall. The last months of the year and the end of the millennium. The city holds many memories for me of cafes, of music, of love, and of death. Another moment I have to mention, which I enjoyed, was that Ian decides to tell Leon, before Leon gets killed, that they just flew here in a box and that we can... Yes, that was a bit of honesty. It was. It was odd. It was. I was surprised that he was like, no, I'm just going to tell him the truth. It would be fine. How does Leon take it? I can't remember. I don't remember. He doesn't respond then. How did you get to France? You really want to know, eh? The truth. Oh, yes. The truth, all right. You swear it? Yes, I swear it. I flew here with three friends in a small box. When I left England, it was 1963. I thought Big Finish took some liberties with the cellar set. They kind of did these Scooby-Doo-esque tropes. Oh, you're talking about the spiders. The spider on the cobwebs. I bet they were there. They were not. They were there. They wouldn't have had real spiders moving out the cobwebs. They were like, oh, this is creepy. We'll have a spider. We'll have the spider quickly walking across the cobweb. Honestly, Big Finish are never inviting you to do anything ever. I love Big I Finish. I thought they were really good. Yeah, I like Big Finish as well. <laughs> I, mean, I like them more than you like them. <laughs> Rude. Now, I'm, I, I intimated earlier. Did you? I did. That the revolution wasn't all bad, and it was about rationale no. and thought. And good old Babs. Yes. 
she did realise, didn't she? And she said, the revolution isn't all bad. Good, honest people gave their lives. Yes. She didn't, I, she didn't get to the nub of the yes. problem. Two sides to a story. She was. I, that's unusual for Doctor Who. But to my mind, in Doctor Who, you definitely place your bets. It's like, this is the side of the fence I'm on. I'm going with that one. Yeah. There's generally not like a two sides to every story kind of an, an action going on. Yeah. But for this... I was really pleasantly surprised that it wasn't just a goodies and baddies affair. They were really clear that there was positives on both sides and you just had to know a bit more about it. And so, yeah, no, I was pleased that that was put out there. It it did show a bit more sensitivity than is sometimes shown to some of the historic stuff. She even said to Ian, check your history books. But, um, I mean, she should have... You can't. Susan never put it back to the library, did she? She never returned it. it. But I wonder whether that was a book that they all had at Coal Hill School and it was Barbara's history class, in which case she should have known a lot more about the French Revolution than she did. <laughs> she could have worked out stuff. She knew it all. She was just a little Not bit... convinced. She was just obsessed with the old Léon. She yeah. couldn't think straight. <laughs> all jokes aside, despite her love for Léon, I do think that her role in the proceedings, in any historical, could have been more about what she actually knew as a history That's teacher. That's true, actually. That could have really made an impact on the plot in some way. But still, she did a lot. She, she was allowed to do more. Obviously, Ian was on holiday, which was helpful for her. But like, but don't you think for someone on holiday, he was in it an awful lot? <laughs> it was so lovely watching that thing where he's like, I can't believe I was on holiday for two weeks and I was in every episode. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cute. Bless William Russell. Yeah. But, um, mm. yeah, no, I, I was really impressed that she did own a lot of that story. Yes, William Hartnell, but it was a William Hartnell Barbara story. Like, to my mind, they were the two main ones and the other oh, people really? were supporting. So like the Aztecs again? Yes. And she refers back to the Aztecs and they sort of, <laughs> I learnt that one in the Aztecs. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> Love Knowing a bit smile. of sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> bit of your tax action. But um, that was my biggest problem with that final episode, because we are nearing the end. Are we? Yeah, I think oh, so. Goodness. Was that um, she and the rest of the companions and the Doctor were complicit in trying to stop something that they knew couldn't be stopped because that's not what happened. Why were they... D- I didn't understand that. They were trying to stop Robespierre being got and taken to the prison, even though we know he's got and taken to the prison and he's guillotined. Human nature, maybe. Maybe just let's not, let's not allow a bad thing to happen. And then maybe. Barbara was like... Ah, and the doctor's like, why are you laughing? He's like, oh, just the pointlessness of doing this because it can't work out. <laughs> why didn't you stop? Why wasn't there a big, like, you can't change history, not one line moment? Hmm. <laughs> what is it? What do you find so amusing? Hmm? Oh, I don't know. Yes, I do. It's this feverish activity to try and stop something that we know is going to happen. Robespierre will be guillotined, whatever we do. I've told you of our position so yes, often. Yes, I know. You can't... Influence or change history. I learned that lesson with the Aztecs. The events will happen just as they're written. I'm afraid so, and we can't stem the tide. But at least we can stop being carried away with the flood. Now, Susan and the prisoner. I I think it actually was a big finish that I listened to recently Mm. where... Was it flip-flop or something like that? Where it was like, yes, was there a is... That one, wasn't it? It was a good one. I like that one. See, we're doing more on the plugging. Big finish. We big love job. you. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, um, the futility of trying to change things. But 
I think they got round it by saying, even if we don't change it completely, we may be able to improve things slightly. Ah, so, okay. And it probably wasn't that one, but that kind of made it more manageable. Yes, we can't completely change history. There's no kind of huge course of action we're going to do, but we may be able to do one nice little thing, and that's got to be worth it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I guess that's the bit that I... I can take from that and allow it to happen and be glad that they didn't just sit back and do nothing. Yeah. I do think that there was an element of what's not true in school anymore in that I think in the 1960s, every schoolboy probably knew that Robespierre was killed on that day and that he was shot in the jaw. And all that stuff was meant to be knowing that this is what happened. Oh. And I just think that people knew that because the curriculum was more around historical right. events like that. But Goodness. we were like... What's going to happen? Don't know what's happening. <laughs> Who is he? It just looked like someone was bad with a shotgun. And it was like... yeah, yeah, I think that's more our stupidity. Yes, probably. <laughs> um, I did like, towards the end of the story, when they go back, after it's all over, and they're in the carriage, and there's a map, and the carriage is trotting along, and there's the, the map. Yeah, yeah, I'm with it's you. good. Um, and of course, as it was trotting along the carriage, I was thinking, this is the very last episode of the first series. I do hope they mark it in some way. I don't remember what they do. And they had a bit of a TARDIS scene with them kicking all their clothes off. <laughs> Thankfully, what? not all. Rude. They were taking their clothes off. <laughs> they had clothes underneath. You, they you were very... are honed in on this particular action. It's all disrobing in your world. But they were very... Um, they must have been very hot. Because they all had their original clothes on underneath did their they? French clothes. I'm fairly sure they did. And I think, God, it was, they wouldn't have gotten cold in conciergerie because they had their old jerseys on, you know, battle dress cardigan on and all that stuff. Battle dress. They were fine. They were fine. Good. Yeah. But no, they had that lovely scene in the TARDIS in which um, it just went to the starscape and it was yes, the doctor saying, our lives doctor. are important, at least to us. Okay. And our destiny is in the stars, so let's go and search for it. Oh. Which I remembered that line. I was thinking, yeah, good. But I, I'm not really sure what it means. No, <laughs> it seemed like trite meme stuff to me. Did it? I, I, it, didn't, it didn't hit hard. It didn't feel important. It felt like just words that really have very little point or meaning. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, so I think we're at the point where it's um, final thoughts. No, no, we're not. What to say? No. Well, I do need to point out as I've pointed out many times, I had a very fun childhood. There was lots of fun shit that happened. There was Doctor Who just peppered throughout. And um, one thing, was it a tape story or was it? I don't know. I used to record Doctor Who adventures for so you on tape, didn't my, I? Yeah, my wonderful Andy either taped stories or wrote out new ones <laughs> complete with colour illustrations um, actually I think this one was a tape story and he actually used to almost give me a choose your own adventure kind of thing next week would you like to listen to and I think it was an A or B and I cannot remember what A was but B was Inch High Terror <laughs> <laughs> and Inch High Terror was a complete rip off of Planet of the Giants and so to see that the next episode the start of season two would be Planet of the Giants just brought me to a happy place of oh, I can't because the, the joy because you used to give me that kind of excitement of what the next episode would be in your own little kind of set of stories so you'd be like well next week just you wait just you wait Inch High Terror there'll be a whole new story Inch High Terror was 
bloody amazing. Was it? I can't remember what happened. I think it was probably better than Planet Giants. It's probably not hard. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, but Lewis Marks, Lewis Marks, Louis Marks need not, um, he's dead, actually, we're fine. That's how copyright He's not works. worrying. That's how, copyright, <laughs> that's how copyright works, isn't it? I think so. If people are dead, it's fine. I should In know. fact, if you sound really joyful about that, death, <laughs> that's even better. <laughs> clap. <laughs> so I think I'm fine with Inside Terror. Yeah, just keep clapping. <laughs> I think I probably destroyed most of the master tapes. Shit. Which is kind of ironic given this episode, isn't it? Two episodes missing. I know. Who would destroy that Who kind would do of gold? That? I've got some of the old tape stories do still. You? I do. Oh fuck, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I think we need to think about who was important. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, Hall of Fame. Exactly. So Hall of Fame. Well, I'm sorry, I can't go anywhere past Leon. Leon Colbert. Leon. Leon Colbert. But also, I think we can probably reserve a special seat for Jean Renault's hair. Jean Renault. No, I just think. (laughs) Jean Renault. Don't you laugh because you had Jules Renault written down in your notes. I (laughs) did. But I'm laughing because I feel like his hair takes more priority than the rest of his role. Okay, so Jules Renault's hair. Well, for me, yes. What is hair in French? Cheveux. Is that not a horse? Jules Renault's horse. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Chevaux or Chevaux? I don't know. You're asking me. I dropped French Blanc, as soon as I could. Blanc Chevaux. Le... <laughs> L'hôtel de la plage. Ouvrez <laughs> <laughs> la thorahead. <laughs> um, um, so who have we got? We've got no, Jules Renault's hair. Else. We've got Jean? Leon Colbert. Jean with a smutty Jean smile. Jean was rubbish. Jean was rubbish. Jean no, no, he's no him. use. Lamet. Lamet. And I think fourth choice, Haki Ann. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh is amazing. But we haven't talked about the jailer, poor man. Yeah, I, I've got a problem with the jailer. Can I just be frank? Just be there. Go there. The jailer is that sort of jaded, old, irritating character that sort of populates things like Les Miserables. Sort of like, oh, I'm funny, but I'm also awful. And it's funny when we're awful and comedic and we're big. And we're, we're fat, big and we're good. We're big and we're good, <laughs> and we're ugly, and we're horrible, and it's funny, and we can have songs. No, you're just horrible. So I, that's not my problem. God. There are two characters like that in Les Mis, and it just annoys I me. I hate Les Mis so much. Oh, do you? Really so much. So I, I can't even get to the point of pu- pulling it apart in different places, because I hate every frickin' bit of it. Oh, God, wow. Good. That's strong. Uh, <laughs> okay. There we go. So, uh, <laughs> I'm going to pick, so, poke that hornet's nest. <laughs> Please leave it. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, We've got four people. We've got four people. Yes. That's good. I know who they are. Good. Fine. Hakian doesn't win this. Vote for Hakian. <laughs> vote for Hakian. <laughs> if you don't know who she is, watch it and then yeah. vote. She's brilliant. She ambles across the screen with such a plomb. If you don't, if you can't picture ambling, watch Hakian. <laughs> She'll teach amb- you how to amble. <laughs> she should have been giving ambling classes at the Central School of Speech and Drama. <laughs> for it. For a threepenny bit bun. <laughs> That's what she did it for. Right, we need to say goodbye. We do need to say goodbye. Just don't give um, us any more. Wait a second, we've got to say oh, one more God. thing. What? Important. No cat in this episode, no Janet Fielding. Oh, yeah. But Janet Fielding has acknowledged that Janet Fielding, <gasps> the cat, exists. That was such a moment. It was. I think I enjoyed it more than 
Janet Fielding the second. Like which uh, one, the original Janet Fielding or the cat? <laughs> you can't call the original Janet Fielding <laughs> Janet Fielding the second. <laughs> My cat has got to get second place there. <laughs> yeah, no, I I was very very happy, and I feel like that that moment felt like you were going to really get excited about my fortieth birthday, and then you just didn't. <laughs> But I'm nearly 40! But that's because we're going to record another episode, which will be the, God. the celebration oh, of the, your 40th. The. Yeah, yeah, good. And I think we all know that that is going to be Stones of Blood. Yes! Why? Why? Tell us why Stones of Blood. Are these people not listening to us? Do they not I know, but I think some of them might need a reminder. Maybe they've just joined us for this bumper 70-minute edition. Tis my edition. birth story. Tis your birth story. <coughs> yes. October 78... Yeah. Two great things happened. Yeah, there's some good episodes of Secret Army on that week as well. Three great things happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On that on that note, it's been a lot of fun to look back at the Reign of Terror. I certainly enjoyed watching it with you and talking about it today on the beach. Yeah. It's been glorious. Yeah, it's not bad. So um Let's go swim. Yeah, we're going off for a swim now. Yeah. So um goodbye. Goodbye. time please leave a review on apple podcasts that would make my daddy and auntie alex very happy you can also follow them on twitter at world enough pod why not tweet them today a crowded street and a successful rescue never mix